I tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man as the dominant species of life on Earth will be extinct within a year. Galactic Travelers. Welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. As always, by my side, Chief Engineer Bob. We're here in the command center and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is our reconnaissance officer, Karen. Welcome back. Today's mission takes us to explore where monsters walked, and we are very fortunate to have authors Gail and Ray Orwig with us here on Planet 8. Occasionally, we have some travelers stop by and, and uh, do a little sightseeing, and the Orwigs have done quite a bit of research for this uh, book. We're going to open it up straight away, kick it over to our chief engineer. Bob was the one who turned us on to this book, and, and we saw it, and we're like, oh, my God, you know, we got to get a copy. And Bob's like... Let's invite them into the show. So here we are, uh, Mr. Chief Engineer. Yeah, it was actually, uh, I'll say a couple of years ago, when a friend of the show, Bob Ekman, was putting on a show up, it was one of his sci-fi days, up at the Ream Theater in Moraga, California, and uh, introduced me to Ray briefly, and uh, just said, hey, they're, they're doing this really cool book about <laughs> movie locations all on monster and sci-fi films. Hmm. And I thought, that's great. And then I did see the, the book came out, and uh, I picked up a copy and said, yeah, we definitely got to talk to him. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so I guess we should start with what made you decide to write this book? What path took you towards coming Kind of up a windy path. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was not like we woke up one morning and said, oh, let's go write a book. <laughs> it, it kind of evolved over time. Um, in the early 80s, we were down visiting um, one of Gail's college friends, and uh, we decided just on a whim to go up, um, you know, to take a look at the, uh, the grocery store, the, cer- the square where um, Pod the, the, the chase takes place in uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and take a couple of pictures. And part of that was I decided to walk up the hill, and I told Gail and her friend Barb, I said, why don't you two stand down the bottom of the hill and run up the hill like <laughs> Kevin McCarthy and Dan Alina, and I'll take your picture. And so they did that, and they're waving their arms and everything, and we are taking took a couple of pictures of that, and I happened to look off to the right, and there was this older woman in her house looking out the window, just kind of shaking her head. <laughs> Probably see people and doing that all the time. Before. How many times have you seen that? But it, So we just kind of, it was just one of those things. We started picking up stills at collector shows from which had background shots, and and uh, taking the, vacations and taking pictures of ourselves standing where standing the monsters where, did, yeah, <laughs> which is so it ended up being mostly pages in a scrapbook oh, that's for the cool. longest time. And occasionally we would make little little mini videos to show to friends. And um, so finally, it was two thousand or so. Um, Bob Stevens, who was a uh, writer for the Chronicle, um, was introduced. Uh, we were introduced to him and. We got to know him over time, and he asked um, 
uh, we had some photos. There were some photos to go with some articles he was writing for Film Facts. And so we um, said, well, yeah, we could. We just got back from Death Valley. We could, you know, do something on, you know, Robinson Crusoe on Mars and Rocket Ship XM. And, mm-hmm. and so that was the first article that we had. Um, oh, nice. On, uh, on sci-fi locations. And it kind of snowballed, snowballed from, from there. there. Yeah. 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 Did so when you were doing this? Um, was it? I take it mostly in California. What about if you went to like Nevada or you know friends in New York, or you just kind of limited it to the the state? Mostly California, which is why the book is actually you know just focuses on California hmm. at this point, and, and it kept we kept finding more and more things. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's one point where it's like, well, yeah, Hollywood is here, so mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of different yeah. scenes that were filmed here and mm-hmm. there. Um, let's kick it off to the satellite. Uh, turn in the interocitor, Karen. <laughs> Thanks for pulling me in, Larry. Yes, yes. Uh, and yes, and welcome to our guests. It's it's so uh, exciting to have you um, on the show. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And I was just wondering, I know that, um, you know, something like this is is a big effort. Uh, There's a lot of research involved. I was reading the book and, you know, you talk about some of the different um, methods that you use to to um, kind of do a lot of detective work, basically. Oh, to yeah. figure. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Um, some of the things you, you know, you started doing this sort of around the time the Internet um, just came to be, you know, thank, thanks to, you know, the great Al Gore. Um, and, <laughs> and also I just wondered if your backgrounds, um, being, you know, a librarian and a teacher, if that was helpful at all to you, mm. well, I assume it was, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> in, you know, and being able to dig up all these great nuggets of information to figure out, you know, where these things were filmed. Uh, probably the, uh, our, our backgrounds. Yeah, I would think so. Um, Gail is an excellent researcher, and yeah, I used to do internet searching all the time at work. <laughs> and uh, I also coached our chess team, so not not quitting <laughs> when things don't quite go right is just not part of our our nature, and, and that kind of helped us a lot uh, in in hunting some of these things down. And mm-hmm. uh, so, but you mentioned the the internet. Um, thank God for people who put vacation photos. Mm. on the internet huh. and uh so that was one source that we yeah because when it, we started out it was mostly like if we had some photos or yeah. if we had lobby cards or things like that to try to find some of the sites well that was our first trip to death valley was mm-hmm. just with a book of about 12 stills from rocket ship xm and robinson crusoe mm-hmm. on mars and so you're really watching the films yeah. i think yeah yeah Wow. So just trying to match up visually yeah. mm-hmm. from the pictures you had. And, and you mentioned like press books yes. that, that you had. Yeah. But was some of that, did you find like there was misinformation about where things were filmed when you'd go out to oh. look at the sites? Or? Go down that road, yeah. Well, um, basically, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't point that out, but what we would do is just the correct <laughs> yeah. there's, there's been a lot of information over the years that was just misinformation handed down okay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. somebody said uh, a site was or a location was here because somebody else had told them and they had found out because they had read it well that many hands that it's gone through um it, it tends to distort it's kind of like a telephone game yeah it, it, mm. it distorts the information over time and and so we and since we actually visited these places and 
in uh, person. Yeah. There was very few of them that we actually didn't go to, and one of them was a g- gated community um, that. Uh, oh right. Yeah, that you just couldn't. You know, somebody couldn't mm. off the street couldn't go in there. There was a surfer who said we could sneak through the garage. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> but I decided we decided not to go down that road. Yeah, that was one of our beach locations. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. I could imagine having a conversation. Well, you know, Aunt Betty said that Uncle Frank. Mm-hmm. But, uh, honey, you don't have an Uncle Frank. Yeah. Oh shoot. Okay. Well, I wonder where that location is then. There's no real repository. Where the studios would say, "Well, here's the coordinates for no, no. Uh, you know this given uh, shot or this given." Yes, in fact, we went to the Margaret Herrick Library to try to find some of oh. that stuff because they have shooting strips there, uh-huh. and um, uh, we went through several of them, and there were no notes in there until we one of the last ones that we looked at before we were going to leave to go back to the airport, right. and it had notes in it, and it said where the houses and things were oh, okay. uh, that, that I think was it the directors. The- uh, yeah, it was the director's continuity script. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he had actual addresses, and, and it wasn't too far away from where we were. So, oh, okay. Yeah, we were able to visit that. So that one panned out for us. But oh. uh, you're right. A lot of times there aren't notes. And like on um, Internet Movie Database, uh-huh. where we found that a lot of the places that we found are not in their production notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of these companies no longer exist that put out these films. So exactly. So it just... Records are gone. Yeah, Yeah. records are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys did an amazing job, and I I just want to put out there, and we'll put out there throughout the show. If you guys don't have the book, uh, go out and get it. When when Bob originally showed the book to me, it was sold out on Amazon, Mm -hmm. and so there was a waiting list, and I'm like, uh, uh oh, um, am I going to get a copy? Uh, or not, but um, luckily we uh, we all got our copies. And well, uh, as we were speaking, I pulled up Amazon. <clears throat> took a look here, and I could probably even refresh the screen, but it does say only three left in stock there right you now, go. as of so. this recording. So, yeah. A lot of monster kids are tuned into uh, the book, and uh, they know about it. Yeah, that was another reason why we wanted to do it, is because we wanted to have all this information in one place, mm-hmm. because there had been books out there that will, would cover like a location like Red Rock Canyon right. or um, uh, Lone Pine, but nothing that sort of drew in all of those films, and, and some of them have multiple locations too. So, Well, I will say it was a lot of fun looking at the the then picture and, and the now picture, and it's yeah. like, wow, that that is it, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot of them haven't changed all that much. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really fun when we would get to a a location and stand there and go, "Oh my God, there's the spot, there's the yeah. building, <laughs> there's the street corner." And sometimes it would it would occur in the middle of a crosswalk uh, <laughs> on a busy street somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, Hairpin turn. <laughs> and and so that that was was fun. It was a very very arduous journey on a lot of them, but. But still, when you get to that moment of discovery, and that's what we kind of hoped people would experience by, you know, taking the book. And you can you can explore it in a lot of ways. You can read it and yeah. just enjoy it, being a little armchair right. travel. Well, that's where that was made. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. or you can actually say, you know what, i got to go to that. And mm-hmm. then go there and have the same kind of thrill that we did when we first discovered it. And, and not everything that was, um, that we discovered is in the book. We had to... I mean, it's almost 400 pages, so we had to, yeah. and that was a shortened up version. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll be fun for some people to go, oh, wait, did you know that, 
you know, this is over there too. Yeah, yeah, we knew that. Yeah, because uh, we're hoping people will also find their aha moments. Yeah, they get their little discoveries <laughs> as well. So have, have some fun with that themselves. I mean, locations are fun to find. I was taking my family down to Hearst Castle one time. And we're going down Highway 1 and we're driving out there. <clears throat> and uh, I looked over to the side of the road and I saw a sign that said Piedras Blancas. I'm like, oh, God, I pulled over really fast, jumped out of the car and grabbed my camera, and I ran off. And they thought, there's some big emergency. God, what's happening? <laughs> I came back. I go, that's a, that's a lighthouse for Monster Pedras Blancas. <laughs> so, I, yeah, every once in a while, you just kind of fall on something like that. Yeah. Like, first time I went to Vasquez Rocks. Oh, yeah. You know, we were like, we're like, okay, it was my friend Butch and I. And we're like, okay, we got to, like, climb up you know, to the peak. Yeah. And so yeah. we're climbing up there and there's a college kid and his girlfriend up there. And we're, got, we're like, oh man, what do we, what do we walk into here? <laughs> and we got a little closer and the guy's like looking over the side and he goes, this is where Kirk pushed the boulder over, over yeah. <laughs> onto the Gorn. So I thought, okay, we're okay. We're we could go up. Yeah, but, no problem there. So if somebody was coming into California from Pascagoula, Mississippi or somewhere, what's maybe the top three places you would say oh you've got to go to these locations wow <laughs> um okay first up would be them yeah mm-hmm. we have to go to see the them the rocks out in the desert mm-hmm. um going to the la river area a mm, little shaky they've knocked down the bridge that used to go over oh that spot there apparently there was something called concrete rot or something i don't know what oh. it was it's an old bridge that they had oh. the sixth street yeah, yeah. Overcrossing. Yeah, this was happening while we were writing. Writing the book. Uh-huh. And so I would say, my, I would choose them as one. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Or the other thing you could do is just choose a site like Bronson because so many films. Oh, yeah, 29 are different films. Oh, that's yeah. right, right. If you do, they can you know, one-stop shopping at Bronson. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so I would say that maybe, um, well, if you go out to Vasquez, you can hit Werewolf of London and Dracula. Yeah, so if you like right. some mm-hmm. of the Golden Age classics, that's yeah. a good place to go. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because after I went to Vasquez Rocks that time I came home and Turner Classic Movies had their Halloween thing going on and they were showing Werewolf of London yes. I was oh I haven't seen this in a long time I turned it on and Tibet. they're in Tibet <laughs> going around the hill and it's like oh it's Vasquez Rocks but, you, oh go ahead we, I would say we also as well as you know everybody the main rock formation which is in the parking lot mm-hmm. by the way didn't you think it was kind of funny when they had the Star Trek episode, and he's fighting the Gorn. And there was a road on this deserted asteroid that would. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we also uh, found the place where he, he and his assistant climb up to get to where the plant is is located. That was very exciting. That was really a, a fun one. That is to cool. do that. It was just this little back trail that goes behind the rock formation opposite the main one, and uh, so that was fun. I, I don't know. I, I would say that. If you go to the them site and you hit Vasquez Rocks, you've got three biggies right you, there. You hit it right there. Yeah. You, you'd made mention of them. I'm going to kick it over to our uh, space satellite. Uh, Karen had an ant problem up in the satellite. <laughs> uh, Karen, they weren't quite the size of them now, was it? Or no, they Maybe but they the were the size of the Zanti. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a Zanti invasion. You know, they keep sh- shooting those rockets full of those. <laughs> Zanti's over. I, I've complained many times. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do about it, frankly. It's it's becoming really bothersome. Um, but I did want to ask you about the them location because I know um, that was uh, – it seemed like that was the most difficult one 
yeah. Mm-hmm. for you to find. And I wondered if you could uh, talk about that for the listeners. And because, and, you know, we all love that movie. That's got to be certainly the top big bug movie for all of us. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And it's just a great, it's a well put together movie in every way. And, and uh, so I'd love to hear your story about um, finding the, well, the location. Um, we first started with asking friends and some of the ones even that live in L.A. In uh-huh. fact, one had a home out in the Palmdale area. No clue. <laughs> and so that wasn't very helpful. And the press book um, reads that the filming took place 20 miles outside of Palmdale. But not what direction? Oh, wow. <laughs> South, east, west. Where is this? And so a lot of it was uh, hunting on the net and trying to find the geology that matched. That was one of our clues. Not only do you look for the contour of the hill, but you look for a similar geology. And, you know, structure of the rocks, slant of the rocks, which direction they're pointing. Mm -hmm. And um, so we spent a lot of time doing that, thought we had it nailed a couple of times, and ended up driving, believe it or not, within a mile or two of the actual location and not finding it. And uh, And one of the times it was was pouring with rain and and our vehicle almost got stuck. Twice. Yeah, so it was back back to the airport after that. Now, do you guys have a Land Rover? No, we... uh, It was a rental. It was a a a four-wheel drive that we rented. It was anticipating, well, we're going out in the desert. We better have something. Right, right. I don't come back with the oil pan missing on the (laughs) rental car. Um, But, um, and so we, you know, this was two years we'd gone down. It was, was it summer one time and spring another? And then finally in uh, around uh, May, we um, I was looking on the net again. And, and we found a random piece of information. <laughs> it was uh, a, a place called Blaney Ranch. And so I click on it because, again, the geology, the rock structure was similar. Sure. And um, so we looked at it, and uh, Randall Blaney says, um, of course, you know, Blaney Ranch is well-known for being the location where them was shot. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. And so, boom, down to the phone, call this guy up and say, you know, you know, this is what we're doing, and we would love to come out and take a tour. Very nice fellow. This was something that was owned by his, uh, I believe it was his father owned this as well, okay. which would have coincided with the year that it was made. Right. And so we made the arrangements. We flew down. It was Memorial Day weekend. Not a good time. <laughs> so we, we fly down, jump in the car, zip over the desert. We get there, and he takes us around the property, and we knew within 30 seconds it was not. the geology, Not what we were looking for. The geology yeah. was correct, but mm-hmm. it wasn't what we were after. And so, you know, we, we brought him a T-shirt with a poster on it and everything, yeah. we're, and you know, because we were excited about it. And he said, you know, afterwards we were saying goodbye, and he said, you know, if you go down over the other side of the hill, there's this old building there that they use kind of a motel and, and you know, a uh, gas station kind of thing for, for shooting. Maybe you'll find that interesting. Yeah, find some shots down there. Okay, so, you know, being gotten to this point, pretty we'd, we'd schooled ourselves in being pretty thorough. So, okay, let's circle the, the hill, the mountain, because we could see on the map the road went around it. Because it's worked in the past. Yeah, and let's, <laughs> let's see what we can find. And so we drove over this little rise and started down, and I see the the building in front of us and I start to look to the right and just as I do Gail grabs my arm she goes oh my god <laughs> and we look and here's the little the char- correct peaks the correct characteristic peak and so we, we pull up in front of it stop jump out we're hugging each other jumping up and down <laughs> we finally found this we are we're stopped in the middle of the highway of course out there 
you could do that for an hour and not get hit. Yeah. Yeah, and the great <laughs> thing was you could actually go up to that main rock grouping, which is what everybody remembers is the ants standing in front of that. And, and you could walk up yeah. there. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we, yeah. we took the little side road up there past um, a bunch of refrigerators and other things that were dropped <laughs> in the desert. No fencing anywhere. Oh, Stopped in this big open area. Uh-huh. Taking our pictures, we thought we got to call everybody. Cell phones don't work out there. Uh, so, at least ours didn't. Yeah, so we're we're out in the middle of the desert. We have no phone, no water, and we're thinking this is not a good thing. But anyway, so we um, we get all our pictures. Okay, so now we got to figure out where the nest is. And so fortunately, right. they had like we explained in the book three different things: the, the east side hills. South Hills and the North Hills. Right where our rental car was. Right where the rental car was. We got, oh, my God, we were standing on it. Wow. And, uh, and so. You couldn't, it was, hear it? you couldn't hear them down there? Yeah, really. It was, it was the only area. Didn't where, have any sightings when you were there. Hibernating. It, it was the only area where nothing was growing. Oh, wow. And there was this big empty area where that's why we parked the car there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like creosote bushes and things all around there. Yeah, and then <laughs> Joshua trees and so Oh, that's from the flamethrowers and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just burned them all out. Yeah. <laughs> so that was. Um, no, we we had so much fun there. We uh, we were going out to uh, the came from outer space site the next day in, in Victorville, and we drove back to this again hmm. to get some more pictures. Um, <laughs> it just was that impressive, you know. It was so That's fun. Great. That is cool. That now, is really cool. Was there ever like the one that got away, or were you pretty much successful? It, it sounds like them might have been the Almost. one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Attack of the 50-foot woman. We've never found the house for that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's a, a, a mm. neat question because uh, in our book we actually have a few pictures like if anybody sees these, if right. anybody knows whether it's there or not there, let us know. Let because us. we even put things in there sometimes that are not there anymore just to let people know, don't go looking for this. It's yeah. gone. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a big fan of Tiki as well as sci-fi and Trader <laughs> Vic's is from the you know Emeryville mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. and the original building isn't there but they say if you go to the corner of so and so that's where Hinky Dinks was which was the original Trader Vic so I imagine <laughs> reading the book you guys had a lot of locations like that where it's like it's not there but it used to be <laughs> this is where it was here yeah, yeah. Um, how did you find out you know without I, I can understand them you had the topography to mm-hmm. go by but if the building was gone that's right <laughs> what was your methodology to figure out well it's on the corner of Melrose and you know yeah, sometimes we would actually find things on the net, you know, like the historical societies of like, say, oh, Chatsworth or something. Yeah. Okay. They would have old postcards and things and say, this is where this used to be. And it's like, oh, yeah, you'd seen people drive through there in, in movies or serials or whatever. Right. And uh, that was one method. And then you would go there, and, of course, all that stuff was gone now. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, there's a, a then picture. <laughs> well, then also, too, is that if you can go to the site of where it once was, and if you have a shot from the movie with um, background hills, mm-hmm. you can say, oh. okay, well, this is where the historical society said the railroad station or whatever used to be. And mm-hmm. if you look up the hills, the hills match the shot we have. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way of confirming where it you know, once was. Um, yeah. So there's lots of different... Um, most of this stuff we kind of taught ourselves, really. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we found like over the years we, we we would revisit things and it's like, oh, I didn't notice that before, so maybe we've gotten better at it. Yeah, <laughs> you would hope so. Kind of like Captain Kirk says, we learn by doing. Yes. So that's exactly. what you guys. <laughs> Pretty um, much. You know, uh, Bob, Karen, and I at different occasions have been, because of Monster Palooza, to Bronson Canyon, mm-hmm. to different locations and whatnot. 
uh, Bob, any anything kind of step out of your mind where it's like you you didn't have an intention of going here, but you look up and it's like, oh my God, this looks familiar. Well, well you Peter's Blockers, as I said before, yeah, that was probably my big, biggest example. But, That's uh, like a Chevy Chase moment to me. I invite you on a family <laughs> vacation, but to Bob like that. screeching off the freeway. Look at that, <laughs> Bob in one of those monster yeah. things again. Um, but no, I mean we, you know, not that we didn't plan it, but you know, we went to uh, my friend Kevin and I went to uh, Bronson Canyon, and it's great because one end of the cave is the Bat Cave, yeah. the other end of the cave is like Robot Monster and all these yeah. different movies. And uh, it's just this little tiny, you know, really short cave. But, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but two amazing. different worlds on each side. <laughs> That's right. Ken and I went up there one year, and uh, <laughs> Walker, you want to? You know, we were not allowed to go through the cave. What was happening? Well, it's funny. So yeah, we we've done a couple of trips there um, during Monster Palooza. Usually, we take a, a day before Monster Palooza and do a bunch of a plus sightseeing. Day. Yes, the plus <laughs> day, and uh, we we go up the little trail and and we're going up the trail and and then all of a sudden zooming past us on the trail is this ranger truck and we're like oh that's interesting i wonder why he's in such a hurry <laughs> and then we get up to the cave and there's some sheriffs up there Uh-oh. and they've got the yellow tape <laughs> yeah. they've got the cave the big opening to the cave uh sealed off and they're like uh, no, you guys can't go into the cave. And we're like trying to find out what's going on, what's going on. And we finally get this one deputy off to the side and he goes, oh, they found some human remains. Yeah. <laughs> In the back of the uh, cave. So Batman went a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Dwight Fry. <laughs> Didn't he fall into that hole? Yeah. Vampire bat? Yeah. That was, uh, that was interesting. Um have you two encountered something like that where you went to a site and it was not accessible or, you know, a crazy farmer comes out, get off my property, you kids. <laughs> you, know? you know, very little, most of the Gary time. Gary had that problem. Oh, well, yeah, when he went to take a look at Tor Johnson's house, mm-hmm. some guys came out after his car. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, we, we have encountered almost none of that. In fact, a lot of times people have no idea that their home was, well, there was the guy from, crawling hand in the West Adams He knew area. that his hand was the crawling hand. Oh, also, yeah. <laughs> That's and, cool. and, and so, but most of the people, um, I married a monster yeah. from Outer Space House. They're like totally surprised. <laughs> um, we we stopped in that area and we thought, okay, we're just going to walk around because in the laser disc, and you don't see this in the DVD, they show the name of the street, one of the streets, and so we just tracked that down. Yeah, and it actually is readable. And, it was, yeah, it was readable. <laughs> and uh, so we decided to do a little walk, and we ran across some lady walking her dog, and she says, oh, I know where that house is. It's my next-door neighbor. Wow. Was like, <laughs> that lucky or what? So she <laughs> takes us around the corner, introduces us to her. We show her the um, the pictures. She's like, could I get one of these pictures? I, I want to show my husband what the house looks like with shutters. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they'd taken them down. And and she was you know, just wonderful about that. I thought it was so interesting. And like I said, we've... Uh, I can't think of anybody. Nobody chased... Uh, well, oh, yeah. have, have, there been, have there been like locations you found, like maybe a house or something, where the people there had no clue that oh, their yeah. house was All in the time. Movie? This, <laughs> this lady was one of them. And okay. most... Yeah, pretty much everyone. The only one was the, the crawling hand house in the West Adams area. The guy knew and was telling us. We went and sat on his porch with him for an hour, and he's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that was fellow. one of the rainy times we yeah, went there. Yeah, oh. he was uh, telling us about the neighborhood and everything, so we took a picture of the door, the interior. He confirmed the interior of the house was used. Yeah, he said one of the ink spots lived down the road from him. <laughs> <laughs> a really cool neighborhood. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, we've um, most of the people 
he's about the only one that knew that his house was in a film. All the rest that we've we've contacted, not a clue, <laughs> not a clue. So yeah, that the, was kind of interesting. Because cool. we had a Monster Club lunch one time in yeah. Vallejo. Yes. And Don took us up to see Boris Karloff's house, yeah. where he lived before he went to Hollywood. Before he went oh. to Hollywood, yeah. And yeah, we're taking pictures and posing. And I go, I'm wondering if the people here have any clue yeah. Yeah. that like Boris Karloff used to live in their house. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's, it's Probably not. not it's but. not like the schoolhouse in Bodega, you know, yeah. Yeah. pretty much common knowledge. Yeah, yeah apparently Bela Lugosi did that actually when he moved from one house to another. And he went to one of his old houses and knocked on the door and told the occupant that he used to live there. <laughs> <laughs> To visit and he wanted my to house. come in and take a look. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you're not supposed to invite him in, right? Well, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Yeah. you invite him in, you're in trouble. Yeah, you yeah. Come in until you invite him in. Yeah, that's how that works. Well, it sounds like you know, as much as you prepare and and compile all your research and notes, and you, you go out and you, you do the search. A lot of this is luck, as well as yeah. There work, is an uh, element of luck involved. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of it, too. Well, yeah, it is. There is some luck. It's less so as we've gone along. And then Ray mentioned something about, you know, going around the block just in case yeah. we find something. Well, we've actually found stuff doing that in, in the past. And it's so that's part of your repertoire now. It's yeah. like, yes. you, okay, just go around the block. Well, just no, we, case. Yeah, we call it a circle search. Oh, there you and go. then you just, you'll start with what you th- what was supposed to be a street corner according to signs you saw mm-hmm. or... You know, similar architecture of the yeah, house. Yeah, hypnotic eye was one of those. Yeah. And so then we just start walking around the block. And most of the time, uh, filmmakers, especially of the low-budget films, made it very easy on themselves. Okay, if we're going to use this house and we want another location, I'm just going to turn the camera around and use the house on the other side of the street. <laughs> yeah, that's why Monogram Studios turns up in a lot of the old Bela Lugosi monograms. <laughs> yeah, because everything, every, all the houses and blocks around the studio were also used, and so they didn't have to go very far. Well, mm-hmm. they did a couple of them, corpse vanishes. Mm-hmm. So that's one we should have said is uh, was well, I was going to say maybe you might want to throw that in about surprises. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that was a matter of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we actually put that in the book because it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, the um, the the church that's used in the corpse vanishes. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on our way into South Pasadena to go to the dinosaur store, which is a favorite place of mine. And uh, and this one avenue had been blocked off due to construction, so we shifted over to one that was parallel to it. And as we're driving along, Gail looks out the window and goes, stop the car. <laughs> like, we're what? always doing that down there. That's we the do, infamous stop the car. We do yeah. that a lot to each other. And so uh, she said, that church looks really familiar. Yeah, it had kind of variegated colored bricks on it, which you mm-hmm. can even see in black and white. Mm-hmm. And I, and then there was this one shot that I remember from the film, and we took a picture of it, brought the pictures home, and they, and they matched, matched up. Yeah, it was offset windows on the church. The, the siding went this way and then kicked up and then went over again. And here I'm waving my hands around, and this is a radio. I mean, this isn't working. <laughs> That's cool. I'm a, you can tell I'm a teacher, visual here. <laughs> and... Uh, and so that was how we, we stumbled across that. So that was that was a fun discovery there. Well, yeah, you, you were asking earlier about if there's anything that I stum- ever stumbled on. Right. I remember now. <laughs> this is actually wouldn't be in the book or whatever. This was over in Japan. Oh, but oh. we were on the bullet train, and we were going out to Nagoya to go to the castle that Godzilla kind of trips into and in Godzilla versus the thing. Okay. Or, Nakajima accidentally tripped and he like just starts tearing down the castle. Anyway, we're going out to that one, and yeah, we're all just you know looking at the sights as we're going along at 200 miles an hour or whatever. And uh, 
my friend Butch was taking photos and things. And I tapped him on the shoulder. I go, take a picture of that. Take a picture of that. He's like, what? And I go, that's a Tommy Castle out there. And that was the castle that, this is the classic shot where King Kong and Godzilla are squaring off and there's mm-hmm. that castle in the middle and they destroy it. Yeah. It was like right over on the hill. <laughs> and so, of course, the next day we had to go back out and go over to Tommy <laughs> Castle. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But it's but, fun uh, when you're running. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you see these movies so much and then, you know, you're driving around or you're doing things. A friend of mine was in for, from, from Chicago and we were driving down Market Street because I was taken into a Giants game. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he says is, oh, that's the ferry building. That's from... You know, it came beneath the sea. sea. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I see it all the time. I take it for granted. But, yeah, 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 exactly. It's right in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a great story about that. A friend of ours was uh, wanted to get pictures of the ferry building. Mm-hmm. And so he's over there with the picture of the tentacle wrapped around the building. And so he's waiting for the clock to get to the exact <laughs> point. <laughs> in the and so he's just standing there off to the side and, and there's people coming out, you know, leaving work and everything. And some guy walks by and looks at his photo, stops, and he goes, when did that happen? <laughs> and he goes, well, 55, but they fixed it up since then. <laughs> and this guy walks off and stopped a couple of times and turns and looks back to him. Because our friend is very quick on his feet and right. comes up with stuff like that. But that was, uh, that was a great line, you know, to get that oh, picture boy. right at the clock tower time you want. That's cool. So the uh, the book does go up to 1965. Any desire to do 66 <laughs> further, or well, or what is there a sequel coming? Um, also, well, we had to stop somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, we have 160 films in there, and, right. and since that, mm-hmm. since we two years ago, since we submitted it, um, it takes that long to get the everything sorted out and mm. edited and everything. And indexed. <laughs> oh dear, uh, <laughs> the the tough part of book writing. But yeah. um, we found about twenty five more films since then, mm. and we have other projects we're working on. But until they're registered with McFarland, the title and that they get the ISBN number and everything, we can't right. say anything more about that. But right, right. Yeah, oh, what, this no. isn't going to be the only one. <laughs> there'll, there'll be more things coming. Well, that's good. That's We've, good. <laughs> We can't pry it out of you, huh? Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, one of the things I was talking with Bob and Karen, um, for those of us that want to go out and, and, you know, we're not able to take the book with us, is there going to be an electronic version of the book that we can put on our phone or reference Mm -hmm. on our Yeah, they do have an e-book of of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, McFarland's already thought that ahead. For people who are... You know, want to go out and stomp around and everything. That's like the perfect way to oh, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. So is that out now or that's yeah, coming? Yeah, out? That, I believe that oh, is. It? Out. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <clears> yeah, I was looking at Amazon. I didn't see the uh, electronic version, but yeah, that was uh, that was something McFarland wanted to do right away, which is one of the reasons why we had to work so hard to get the highest quality stills you know to scan the eight by tens and so uh-huh. forth to make sure it was the best quality possible yeah which is difficult since some of those films are not in good shape yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and so um and then also when we took pictures to make sure that you know it was a really high resolution photo because for the e-version you know that's the main reason for that because right. when they take for the print version they shrink it down and so it's going to look fairly sharp pretty much no matter what you do mm-hmm. but the e-version was main, probably the main reason why we we had to have the high high resolution shots Awesome. Well, let's kick it up to the satellite. Uh, Karen, any last-minute thoughts or questions? 
I just found it fascinating as somebody who really um, sometimes gets deep in the weeds on things, <laughs> some of the trivia, things that um, having seen these films, I should know, but I, it just didn't occur to me like, um, for instance, I, now I'm trying to remember which two movies it was. Uh, one was Gorilla at Large, and then the other was um, a Harryhausen movie that both had the same amusement park. Oh, the, the Long one Beach in Long Pike, Beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was just, when I was reading, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that amusement park. And, oh, yeah, it was in both films. And then just, I don't know, there's some sort of bizarre nerd joy in discovery. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, I oh, think yeah, that's that was... librarians and teachers love trivia. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> It's like, and I, I do research. I do uh, research for university for a living. So it's like, oh, that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And there's some mental cataloging of those <laughs> facts when you come across them. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love all the pictures and then making all those connections. And of course, the, you know, all the information, like Larry said, we'd gone out to Bronson Caves. So then seeing like all the different films that had used that location. But mm-hmm. then you find out like, well, this one only used Cave 2 and 3. Exactly. But this one used Cave 1 and 4. And mm-hmm. then you had the nice section in the back that showed know all the Know your caves. caves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, and then, you know, and having the personal connection like, oh, yeah, we've been out there because we did actually go out there another time when there weren't human remains and we were yeah. <laughs> we had to go back. I was going to ask uh, you if you got to do that. <laughs> yes, we did finally get to go through the Were case. there any so when it, you left? <laughs> well, that was, we, that, we don't talk about no. that. Um, that was one of the fun things is that we, we thought, okay, to someone who's never gone up here before, how are we going to navigate them around? Because there's four holes in the, right. in the wall here and so um, we thought, wait a minute, why don't we just make a little guide here? This is what the cave, this is, and we just randomly numbered them. The first one you see is cave one, then we go around the backside, and we go left to right, two, three, and four. And right. I thought it just made the most sense. And, uh, and it's amazing how much smaller they've gotten over the years. Oh, the erosion around there. I mean, we were just watching a, uh, a video last night, Dave Holland's beautiful one on Lone Pine locations, and he had a, a shot of Bronson Caves, and it shows them driving a wagon train through wow. the main <laughs> cave no entrance. No way they could do that uh, now. And uh, you're wow. lucky you could, you know, you could go through on a scooter now. I mean, yeah. yeah. The Batmobile used to fly out one Oh, end, come so, yeah. sailing out of there. Yeah, right. that was just, what, 40-some years ago. Mm-hmm. have to crawl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the second yeah. cave, yeah, you do literally have to crawl out because the erosion over the years, well, it just keeps... It's it's a rocky area and, and you know get rain down there and it just it just all this stuff just washes down and yeah. eventually there's not going to be a cave two or four mm. uh, you know maybe mm-hmm. twenty years from now this is you know we hang a sign there cave two used to be here used or to something be there. You know? yeah yeah, yeah and, and Ray brings up a really good point about that is you know we never thought about it when we started putting this together but it's only it's becoming a historical document yeah really. <laughs> Really like a yeah. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because some of the things are actually starting to disappear even since the books come out. Uh, you know, all, the, all the ones mm. up in Big Bear from mm-hmm. the werewolf. Changed, yeah. Oh. Um, they've, they've changed. The dam is, is completely changed. And, yes, uh, like next to the... Yeah, it's... It, I, I, I don't even want to go into it. It's just a strange. Let's build. Let's build a new road over there. Okay. Let's make it go in a curve and go out over the open ground, not over the. Uh, anyway. That's too bad. But it's uh, yeah. So a lot of those things that we photographed are gone. 
Um, some of the ones from Hand of Death, they knocked down a few of the buildings. Yeah, it was there. amazing. It's like you go over there and it was the whole block that was, was leveled. Yeah. Wow. wow. It's an empty, empty area. Yeah. Now, have you guys ever been on site and you start hearing explosions and a wrecking ball? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> run, Ray, run. Yeah. <laughs> Take the picture first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then run. Document, then run. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. One of the things that Karen and I do on our plus days uh, – um, well, we had a lot of fun listening to uh, what soundtrack was it, Walker? Omega Man. Ma- Omega Man oh, driving around LA, driving and it was LA. just a unique experience. <laughs> what do you guys listen to when you're driving around? Is, is there a particular uh, oh, station, or is there a on where CD we're going? You bring, yeah, or? sometimes uh, it's soundtracks. But okay. one time we were listening to it was a, a old British dance band CD, and it was so funny because we were driving in the Los Feliz area, uh-huh. and there's all these houses, you know, from uh, you know, built in the 30s 20s, or 20s 20s. And, 30, yeah. and it just the music felt perfect for driving. Just fit the, <laughs> yeah, it's cool because there are certain pieces that. Fit the moment. Yeah. Fit the, you know yeah. what you what you're driving well, around we're, doing. We were driving up to Lone Pine. We we're playing Sons of the Pioneers. Oh <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And out in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. Well, do you uh, do you suit up when you go out? How so? T-shirt from oh, the film you're yeah, going to? Yeah. Or? If sometimes. we have them. <laughs> if we have them, yeah. If we have them, sometimes. I, I mean, there'll be. There, there have been some trips that we're covering twenty or thirty different films. Hmm. I mean, it's usually like four or five days. You know, up in the morning, breakfast, hit the road, and then, you know, so it's six to eight or nine hours of, you know, going mm-hmm. to locations filming. Yeah, like Red Rock Canyon, since it's, you know, a ways away from other places, we take stuff like bagels and stuff that's not going to fry in your car. It's turkey. And so we're, we're gone, you know, do four or five days of that, and it takes about two months to prep everything mm. before we go, and then another month to kind of, you know, file everything and, and and so forth when we come back so it's it's why we only take a couple three trips a year um, well, because of all the work that goes into it let me ask you guys this so if someone wants to go out to some of these remote sites you'd made mention that there's no cell service mm-hmm. um they're in a rental or they're in their car i take it water bagels oh, yeah. first aid kit <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, sunscreen mm-hmm. yeah hat, hat. definitely at death hat. valley <laughs> Wear a hat and bring maps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maps? There you go, paper maps. How about uh, like a walking stick or something like that? Have you ever encountered like snakes or Um, uh, foxes or anything? Mostly lizards. Lizards, okay, all right. (laughs) They were okay. (laughs) Giant ones. There's signs that said there were rattlers out there. There's a Gila monster that kept coming after us. No, we've never really... Radiation detector. Yeah, Yeah. get my Geiger counter out. Um, No, we've never run into anything... uh, anything inherently dangerous mm-hmm. um, okay. part of it is making sure well there one time we were at dead man's point we heard a bunch of barking dogs oh yeah well, that was yeah, <laughs> and but since oh, I'm no. hard of hearing I didn't know what direction they were coming yeah. oh no there was you know somebody who was out there they had that was the tarantula rocks we call them uh-huh. um, <laughs> and, they were also and it came from outer space yeah but oh, the, yeah. nothing uh, no there's never been anything like that I mean some of the areas that are a little precarious to try and climb around on mm-hmm. uh, red rock canyon is is like that can and then one slippery. of the more difficult ones to get oh. to was golden canyon golden canyon the in way Death we valley. went in anyway <laughs> we uh we hiked in from the the valley floor to get this one shot from robinson crusoe on mars we were going f- thank goodness there was a shot to get <laughs> it was a four hour <laughs> we hike. Been, yeah Ooh. four hours of our lives wow. we wouldn't have gotten in, back <laughs> two hours in 
two hours back. It almost was our remains. They <laughs> the floor of the canyon. Yeah, that was 100 degrees that day. Oh, my <laughs> word. I don't do well in heat. Yeah, no, I don't either. <laughs> well, uh, this is the part of the show where we usually have our sensor sweep and we share the latest and greatest uh, products that have come across our desks. Uh, but uh, since we have our special guests here today, we'd like to kick it over to you guys. And is there a website that you guys have set up? Is there uh, some shows that you're going to be doing, some signings um, <laughs> that you'd like to let our listeners know? Well, um, we haven't got a website yet. Um, okay. Gail has a nice picture on her Facebook page for the book. <laughs> so, so Facebook <laughs> is a good way to... Yeah, okay. that way. Um, we're going to be... Um, uh, we have a, a table at the Creatures Con. Coming up is that August 12th, I believe. And that's going to be out in San Ramon. So we'll be there all day with copies of the book. We'll sign them. Um, You can either bring your copy with you if you've already got one, or you can get one from us there. Uh, We're going to have it at a show price, $45 there. Great. And then um, we also have, uh, we're also going to be selling off some posters and lobby cards that we have as well. But but the main thing that we're going there for is the the uh, the book. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I love that you guys are, are not uh, just authors, you're fans. And, and it really translates into your work. Yes, and you. so uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. I really encourage uh, anyone listening, go out there, pick up digital copy, paper copy. Most certainly if you can make Creature Con, um, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Chief Engineer, any last thoughts? Questions? Well, no, I'm- I'm glad there's an electronic version. I was saying it when I did the sensor sweep on this that people should take it, pack it, put it in their backpack, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and whenever they're in California and start looking up some of these places. Because you never know when you're driving around when you might be close to one of these. Don't Absolutely. Try it. Yeah. You can do that going down like the Monterey. Even. Yeah. yeah, there's a few on our end of the, yeah. the state. Yeah. Take a page out of Bob's book and just hightail it off the highway. There you go. Oh, yeah, if you see a location... Pull over. <laughs> Pull over. Pull over. Uh, Walker, any any last minute um, comments, questions, thoughts? Uh, no, just been a delight. Just been uh, yeah. so nice to be able to talk with Gail and Ray and get kind of the inside scoop on uh, everything in the book. And uh, uh, just uh, excited to find out whatever these uh, mystery projects will be. <laughs> yeah. so, we'll, we'll let you looking, know when we get there. Yeah, well, we'll let you know when we get there. I, I tell you guys what, when you're when you're projects are ready to come out we may send you up to the satellite with karen next time <laughs> and okay. i'll try to get rid of the, the zanties <laughs> <laughs> i'll just bring boots yeah, yeah big go. thick soles <laughs> <laughs> well look I, I really do want to thank both of you for taking the time out of your day coming out here and sharing with us and the listeners um we look forward to seeing you at creatures con and uh, your projects that are coming out. We'll most certainly check Gail on uh, Facebook. Uh, Look, uh, to you, our listeners, we want to thank you. Uh, Tuning in, share this with your friends, family. Uh, This is going to conclude our transmission from Planet 8. Uh, Check us out. We are on www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at Planet 8 Podcast. As always, treat each other good. Stay safe. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off and transmission. Yep. So we are now recording. This is episode 8 of uh, Universal Monsters with special guest Lord Bloodraw. Rolling in 3, 
two. Greetings, fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here in the command center encircling Planet 8 in our orbital space... Uh, by satellite. You want to start again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Recording, take two, episode eight, Universal Monsters with Lord Bloodraw in three, two. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. By my side, as always, is Chief Engineer Bob in our command center and circling planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is our reconnaissance officer Karen today's mission takes us to explore classic universal monsters we scoured planet 8 and the known galactic universe for an authority who could definitively help us through this episode and we could not find one so in lieu of said uh, guest, we have Lord Bloodraw, uh-huh. and and I jest. Welcome, Lord Bloodraw, to Planet Eight. Uh, My Lord, lords and ladies. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, Lord Bloodraw, uh, we're going to give all his information at the end of the show. But um, if if you're not familiar with him by the end of the podcast, you most certainly will be. Uh, just a plethora of information. If you get a chance to catch one of his live shows, I, I highly recommend it. Um, we're going to jump straight into this. Lord Bloodraw, we're talking about Universal Monsters, the classics. Oh, yes. Do you recall your first viewing of a Universal Monster movie? Where were you? What was it? And, and It was so long ago, but I believe <laughs> it was probably around Halloween time. I was a child, I want to say around... 10, 11, and I'm pretty sure it was Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Yes. Because one of the earliest memories I have is that animated beginning. Right. With the monsters walking against the, the moonlit sky and the, just in silhouette. The wolf man and then the bones. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's my earliest memory of the Universal monsters. My earliest memory of them as kind of a phenomenon mm-hmm. was reading um, my cousin's copy of Famous Monsters of Filmland. Uh-huh. With, um, I believe, Bela Lugosi from Mark of the Vampire was on the cover. And um, it just blew me away. I remember sitting there being entranced with this whole world. And then I just caught, you know, as I'm sure anybody living in where, where I am from, the San right. Francisco Bay Area, caught all these films on Bob Wilkins' Creature Features. Right. And um, that just opened up the entire world of Universal Monsters to me. Well, let's kick it over to our chief engineer, Bob. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and Channel 2 had mm-hmm. uh, the Universal Monster Library. So you'd see it on Creature Features, you'd see it on Chiller Dealer Matinee, mm-hmm. right. and uh, <clears throat> you'd die, you know, even die for dollars every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. Pat McCormick in the afternoon, Bob yeah. March in the morning, whatever, they'd be showing movies and calling people and giving yeah. money away. But. Um, you know, I, I want to say the first one I saw might have been Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, uh-huh. and uh, you know, monsters always always fighting each other. That always gets my blood going. So, mm. uh, you know, definitely from there, you know, you want to search out all the different ones. And you know, watching you know Creature Features and Bob Wilkins, you know, he ran those quite a bit. You yeah. Know? So oh, uh, yeah. that's what kind of like 
set them aside from like the other channels that had like the AIP library or mm -hmm. something else, you know. Two had like Universal and Hammer and all that. So you'd see the Universal versions of the monsters, you'd see mm -hmm. the Hammer versions of the monsters. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely hooked from there. Right. I remember right. it being a huge deal when the original 1931 Frankenstein. Yeah, it was like, oh, this this is the first <laughs> yeah. one. This is the original one. This is amazing, you know. And what a what a captivating film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the it's not only for the time, but just such a such a classic. Just the the direction, the acting, the breakout performance by Karloff as a monster. <laughs> right. Well, plus it's amazing. From there, you know, you see, which I think is the best of all the Universal monster movies, is Bride of Frankenstein. Mm hmm. And just uh, that's a movie I can to this day watch over and over anytime oh, yeah, and, right. and still enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen? Hey, guys. Um, well, similar to you guys, although I grew up in the uh, Central Coast region of California, uh, close to Los Angeles, so we got all the Los Angeles stations. And uh, there are quite a few different uh, channels that did the monster shows. And I'm not sure exactly which was the first uh, that I saw, but my mom was a huge fan of old movies and especially of horror films. Hmm. And so I'm, I have a lot of strong memories of the original Frankenstein and, uh, and just all of those really uh, impressionistic shots of like the monster coming out from the darkness with the light behind him shining and uh, kind of crouching and just uh, sometimes not even particular scenes, but just the angles of his head and things like that, um, that really stuck with me over the years. And and the thing is, is I never even thought of the, the monster uh, as being scary. You know, there was always that element of sympathy mm -hmm. and especially with uh, – uh, you know, he was always being chased by the villagers and things like that. And so I always saw him as a sympathetic character, and and which caused some problems in school because I was always drawing Frankenstein when I was little. And <laughs> the, the teachers would contact my mother and say, oh, she's drawing Frankenstein. Is there something wrong? Um, but, yeah, certainly um, those films imprinted on me at a very early age, just like I'm sure m most of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh... – First, the shot where you first see the monster, he backs into the room and then turns and those right. those progressive uh, push-ins on his face. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And the subtlety of the entire film, um, even before that, it opens with a funeral. And, um, right, right. When, you know, with uh, the doctor and uh, Fritz mm -hmm. waiting for the funeral to and be over. And the bell, you know, from and, just all the little pieces of the film. Exactly. Just, Exactly, and in, in digging the body up, he literally throws dirt into a statue of Death's face mm -hmm. behind him. He throws right. dirt in the face of Death. Amazing, amazing it, touch. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm with uh, Bob and uh, Lord Bloodraw. Growing up in the Bay Area, Bob Wilkins on Creature Features. Mm -hmm. um, I would watch it. My mother was a huge fan, is a huge fan of genre films and the monster films, and you know, six, seven, eight years old. I'm not understanding everything, but she would explain to me that, you know, the monster is misunderstood. You mm. know, he, he made a mistake or, you know, something like that. Or same with the creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, they're chasing him. It was humanity 
that was the villain more so, you know, or the monster more so than the monster, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, they, they, those films just they resonate. And uh, as uh, luck would have it, if you're listening to this podcast as it pops up um, within about a week on the 28th of August, Bob, is it 28th? 28th of August. 28th of yeah. August, Universal is going to be releasing 30, 36 films? 30. 30 films on Blu-ray. It'll be a, a set. You can find it online or, or in a brick-and-mortar shop. And so uh, we're just going to keep on discussing these universal monsters. And, and uh, we uh, go back to Lord Blood Raw. What are some of the uh, uh, iconic uh, moments uh, in, in some other films? Say, like Dracula oh. or... Uh, Right, because that Dracula strikes me as being unique in that there wasn't a lot of music in the film. You know, in, in Frankenstein, oh, Bride of Frankenstein, right. there's none. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, right. Swan so, Lake in the beginning. That's it. And that's it for Dracula yeah. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then, how did that mood? I mean, w- they filmed the thing during the day, and then they did the Hispanic version at ah, well, night. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, well, the the mood of the film is uh, of the Lugosi version, mm-hmm. directed by Todd Browning, is I think captured by the silence. There was a special version that was released with a um, Philip Glass, Philip Glass, yeah, yeah uh, soundtrack to it. That I, I, it, it works, but it's not as creepy as mm-hmm. the the dead silence. So it didn't enhance it in any way. I, for, I didn't think so. Okay. I, I didn't think so. No, um, just the the gothic look of it and mm-hmm. Lugosi's um, portrayal of that character. Wow. Kind of, he does everything almost at just three quarter speed. You mm-hmm. know? And you talk about iconic moments in Dracula. It's not quite an iconic moment, but it impresses me every single time I see it when he's got Renfield sitting in front of him, uh, drawing, you know, with the papers and stuff. And Lugosi says, this is very old wine. And in the scene, He's staring right at um, Renfield, staring him dead in the eye, but he's reaching over and grabbing a bottle and a goblet and pouring. Mm. And I'm thinking, how did that take multiple shots? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movement was just so perfect and so supernatural in the way he's holding he's holding Renfield's gaze like a like a cobra would hold the right. gaze of a mongoose. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just really, really an incredible shot. Well was it am I right in thinking that Lugosi at the time was almost doing a lot of his dialogue phonetically? You know, that is I think that's more of an urban legend. Um, I really do. I mean he was not as proficient as he became later in English. But you know, by the time he did the movie he had played Dracula on Broadway right. for years. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, he had to he had to petition uh, Universal mm-hmm. to to do that movie. Here's something interesting about the Universal films: is um, of course Dracula was the first one in 1931 mm-hmm. that's kicked off the entire monster cycle for Universal. Yeah, Lon Chaney Sr. That film was essentially meant for him. If Lon Chaney Sr. had lived. He probably would have been Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. Mm. He probably would have been mm-hmm. all of those characters. Wow. If he had lived. He died, mm. I believe, um, it was 20, uh, 29 or 30. I think he died in 30, mm-hmm. 1930. And the movie was made in 30 into 31. Right. And um, 
it would be interesting to see what C- uh, Lon Chaney Sr. would have done with that role, with all of those mm-hmm. roles, especially Frankenstein. Well, some alternate yeah. universe that might have yeah. happened. I, you know, yeah. I think so. I think now, so. I know originally we were, we were kind of talking about the Todd Browning version versus the Spanish version. Yes. Oh, yes. So yeah, yeah. If you want to hear um, on that. I love the Todd Browning Lugosi mm-hmm. version. But that Spanish version, uh, director, I believe, was George Melford, mm. is technically a, a better film. What Todd they, Browning, they used all of the same sets. And all the same sets, and, yeah. What they did was they brought in the, the Spanish crew at night after the day crew had filmed their scenes for Dracula. And they had the advantage of seeing the dailies that Todd Browning was shooting. Oh, okay. So the director basically <laughs> said, well, I can do better than that. You know? And Todd Browning, I mean, admittedly, um, it's almost as if once they get out of that castle and he gets to London, yeah. he's almost shooting a play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you, you can see it's it's very stagey. It's 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 almost as though he's shooting something like right off of a Broadway stage, whereas George Melford, uh, his version is much more cinematic. Dracula's appearance in uh, in in the Lugosi version, Renfield looks up, Dracula's right there. He's in the full shot. Mm-hmm. In the Spanish and George Melford's version, Renfield hears a sound behind him turns and there's this long sweeping crane shot that goes up the stairs and then lands on Dracula. Right. That right. is really it's wonderful. It's a great moment, you know. Spanish film doesn't have the performances mm-hmm. that that the English film does, but um it's still it's technically a better film. It would be interesting to see what Melford would have done with Lugosi. Yeah. Yeah. And and the cast of the of the English Dracula. Yeah, I will say that was the one film where Mother told me, "No, he is a monster." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing redeeming yeah. about Dracula. Yeah. No, absolutely true. Absolutely uh, right. Yeah, he is. Uh, he relishes what he does. He enjoys what he's doing. He was, he was <laughs> evil incarnate. But but then what about Imhotep in the Mummy? Because the uh, Mummy is in many ways a remake of Dracula. Oh yes, true. Yeah. So so can we say that he's redeemable? His he's in love. But he's yeah. he's still a pretty awful guy. <laughs> he's obsessed with his love, and nothing else nothing else matters. Yeah. But bringing back bringing back the princess that he's determined to bring to bring back. As a matter of fact, um, there were entire. It's funny the the Universal monster movies along the way have created these kind of um, uh, lost moments that uh, would be wonderful to find again. In The Mummy, there was an entire scene. Do you remember the scene where Karloff is there with um, the, the, the female lead of the movie and they're looking into the pool? And it's the whole thing of how he became the mummy and right. stole, the, mm-hmm. stole the scrolls. Da, da, da. That's a much longer sequence. There were scenes filmed in different historical periods where he catches up with right. her and loses her again. Catches mm. up with her and loses her again. I've seen a couple of stills. One, I think, was from around the time of the French Revolution or something like that. Oh, wow. All of these scenes were filmed, but they were cut out. Huh. Yeah, these yeah, are I remember kind of, reading about that. Yeah, these are kind of holy grails of film that would be wonderful to find and see again. Let me, let me ask you all this. Yeah. Uh, the difference between Emotep and, yes. and Dracula. Emotep didn't really relish or, or in, I don't want to say enjoy it. He was cursed. 
Dracula, mm-hmm. I guess, was cursed, but Dracula was fine with it. I, I, I felt that Dracula, <laughs> you know. Um, what is your guys' take on it? I mean, it, I think he enjoyed his power. Yeah, Dracula, yeah. Dracula was a monarch, mm-hmm. right? He was a monarch before he became a vampire, so right. it came very natural to him. Well, mm-hmm. his character was based on Vlad the Impaler, right? right. Yeah, yeah, so. right. True. Whereas Imhotep was um, uh, a high priest that fell in love and dared the wrath of the gods. Right. He he fell in love with the wrong person. (laughs) Well, we don't know that it was her fault. (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they paid the price. They paid the price. Exactly. Exactly. The mummy. Those were. That was an interesting moment in the Universal Monster things, and that. the mummy was kind of the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Of the yeah. <laughs> he never appeared in any of the Monster Rally films. You know, yeah. House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, Adam Costello meet Frankenstein. But also the mummy series, they're not sequels to the original mummy. No. Yeah. It's a it, different mummy. Right, right. Um, a different name. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing, too, that I thought was right, interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as far as screen time in the original mummy, and I suppose it's because Karloff became, you know, the, the phenom in the industry that he, that he was, um, there wasn't a lot of footage of him dressed up as the mummy. That's right. It was more Karloff as Emotep. Yeah. Um, that's kind of interesting because, you know, subsequent films after that, there was a lot more mummy in it. But did, oh, yeah. did Karloff become like that big off of just the Frankenstein movies? I mean, I don't. I don't know if that's from uh, the size of his stardom. Mm-hmm. Uh as much as it was kind of an aesthetic choice by the by the director, okay. I don't. I know that it was shot. They made they made him up head to toe in that makeup. It took like eight hours or five hours or something like that. I mean, that was yeah, it's some ridiculous amount of time. Made the suit no fly, so that was an agonizing day of shooting <laughs> for Karloff. But they, they they made him up head to toe, and they actually shot footage of him coming out of the sarcophagus, walking over to the young. Uh, uh, archaeologist driving him mad and leaving yeah. and all they did of that was you know all they kept in the movie was close up on his face the hand moving the hand reaching for the scroll and then the wrappings kind of going going away right so you know all of that agony <laughs> for you know, and as far as like the makeup on that I mean oh. it was uh, that was real makeup that, there was no masks there Jack was no Pierce like, Jack Pierce the great Jack Pierce yes 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 um, I was reading something, or maybe I was watching. Um, Strefan Taylor put out a great DVD about Jack Pierce, mm-hmm. NovemberFire.com, mm-hmm. for those of you who'd like to check it out. And um, I guess uh, you'd, you'd mentioned Lon Chaney was going to do Dracula. He passed away. Mm-hmm. Jack was doing makeup for Universal, and I guess he got away with the skin tone makeup for Dracula, but Lugosi was was very very uh adamant about doing his own makeup yeah and so jack didn't get that gig other than just the apply the the makeup for the face it wasn't until frankenstein that he got to apply his trade and really i mean that that makeup to me that when you think of the frankenstein monster iconic right well frankenstein meets the wolfman that's when jack pierce got his revenge on bella lugosi <laughs> oh yeah! That's oh true. yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. wasn't Lugosi uh, going to play the Frankenstein monster? He was. He was lined up to right. play the Frankenstein monster. Now, legend has it that a, he turned it down because it was not a speaking role, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to be under the makeup. 
that could be partially true, but the script he was also given did not have any of the kind of pathos built into it. Uh, the mm-hmm. monster was just this killing corpse. He was just this killing machine mm-hmm. lumbering around. So it's hard to say. I did, all of these, all of those things probably figured into his decision, you know, and probably mm-hmm. did major damage to his career. Lugosi could not catch a break after Dracula. <laughs> he really well, yeah, couldn't Lugosi's so performance in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman as the monster was compromised as well, right? Because Absolutely. originally the monster yeah. was supposed to be blind. Right. Mm. And spoke. And, right. spoke. and they took his lines out, too. Right. Yeah. But he was supposed to be blind in the studio, said, no, 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 he can't be blind. But they had already shot all these scenes where yep. Lugosi's kind of walking with his hands straight out like he's feeling his way around. Right. And uh, so I, that's actually probably where, like, the, the Frankenstein sort of, you know, Everybody thinks of Frankenstein, you know, the caricature right. of walking along with his arms out and all that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. Uh, Karloff never moved yeah. in that way. His movement was No, Karloff was very, very human. The yeah, way he moved. exactly. Yeah. Right. exactly. Glenn yeah. Strange mimicked that, and then every monster kid mimicked Glenn Strange. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with finishing off with Jack Pierce, because we're going to talk about the monsters, mm-hmm. not the maker of monsters. He did work with Lugosi again on White Zombie, right? Yes, that's right. right? Yes, he did. So he was yes, able to did. do the makeups on that. And that right. that's, uh, it'll be for another podcast, but I've always had a problem with zombies and ghouls because at one point uh, in time, ghouls were zombies and then the zombies became ghouls, one being flesh-eating, <laughs> one being sure. Haitian. Yeah, that's another podcast. Oh, there, there's so. a topic for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. But, uh, but I will just say that... Um, White Zombie is my favorite Lugosi performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's wonderful in Dracula, but that character of Murder Legendre in White Zombie is phenomenal. I, I was actually at one of Lord Bloodraw's live showings of that uh, oh, yes. film. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, part of the fun of going to, to some of these shows is it's one thing to watch it at home, even if you have a you know, 64 inch Dolby Digital, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in a shared environment with like-minded people and fans and, and just vibing off of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like a concert or any other kind of live Agreed. event. Yeah. These are just wonderful, wonderful opportunities. Well, just seeing it on a big screen. I oh, mean, yeah. Because they were intended to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. We, um, we're going to go over to uh, Chief Engineer Bob. Um, one of the things that uh, strikes me... Uh, oh, let's just get into it. Bob's a big fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon. So. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time you saw the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Bob? It, it, had, to be on, it had to be on Creature Features Okay, Bob Wilkins. Yeah. And uh, I've since, of course, seen it on the big screen. Was um, it 3D or was it just, it was just flat. the show? Okay. The first time I saw it 3D, I believe, was at the UC Berkeley Theater. And uh, they had a showing of it. But we did back in... I want to say it was 2006, I believe. Mm-hmm. We did all three creature films through Bay Area film events at the Castro Theater. Mm-hmm. And we showed the first two in 3D, Creature and Revenge of the Creature, and then Creature Walks Among Us flat because it was never filmed in 3D. And those were the first times I saw real quality 3D prints of those movies. Because mm-hmm. these weren't the red and blue lens type 3D. This was like the anamorphic or whatever 3D. And uh, if you ever get a chance to see it that way, that's definitely the way to see it. And I think 
the uh, Universal Blu-ray The Essentials package has it 3D for you know those of you with 3D TVs, and that is a really good, really good 3D version. I think that's better than any other 3D movie I've seen on TV. Really, just uh, the scene with the claw and the rock just mm. comes right out into your living room. Yeah, um, you know, and, and it's really you know 3D movies that are shot 3D today. They don't want to be all gimmicky, so they don't th- do things like you know they're swimming underwater with a spear gun and it goes right into the screen, <laughs> you know. But the creature didn't go overboard in that. It you know it did have things that come out of the screen, bubbles come out of the screen and, and things, but it wasn't that sort of like coming at you, you know, right. shock type stuff. It wasn't a Three Stooges, yeah, 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 short. yeah <laughs> definitely. And uh, yeah, that creature show we did, we had Julie Adams who played. The main actress in for the first film. in Creature from Black Lagoon. Wow. We also had Ben Chapman, who oh. wore the uh, creature suit on the land. Rico Browning was creature underwater, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, they were really you know Julie Adams was one of the nicest people they ever want to meet, and uh, Ben Chapman is was just a kick. I mean, he unfortunately passed away since then, mm-hmm. but uh, but then we also had a nice uh, opportunity to show it on the big screen at uh, AT&T Park after a Giants game on the scoreboard screen. And uh, cool. we had John Stanley, who was one of the Creature Feature hosts, host it. And uh, that was really cool. Everybody got to come down and, you know, after the game, sit on the field, watch, watch the movie. Right. And um, probably the funniest thing, and this is a total side story, is I got a call from Greg Kinn, from the Greg Kinn Band. Uh-huh. And he was a DJ at the time on KFOX in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. And he's like, hey, I hear you're showing Creature from the Black Lagoon. And he goes, do you need a host? <laughs> and I said, well, we've got John Stanley from Creature Features because this is Creature Features night at the Giants game. And then he said, well, I love Creature Features. Can I introduce John Stanley? <laughs> so I ended up introducing Greg Kinn, and Greg Kinn introduced John Stanley, and then John Stanley introduced the movie. But... Um, but yeah, no, he he wrote he wrote a book. It was a horror show novel by Greg Kinn. Oh, Greg Kinn. Yeah, I, he's a big fan of this stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean, anytime I get a chance to show the creature, um, anytime you know, I'll, I'll do it. Mm. Uh, we also did a show with uh, with Frank Woodward's uh, Men in Suits documentary, oh, yeah. and we paired that up with Revenge of the Creature with Lord Bloodra as one of the guests. And, I was at um, that show too. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean the creature definitely. You know, I've got a little creature area in my basement with a pinball, the pinball machine, and all. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. And um, even though it was only three movies, right? You know, it still made a big impression on me. I'm going to say something slightly controversial. Sure, sure. I you love hate, creature you from hated the black it. No, 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 no. Love creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, Think it's an incredible film. I always. When I think of the classic Universal monsters, I never think of the creature from the Black Lagoon. And the only reason is mm-hmm. there's nothing supernatural mm-hmm. about the creature from the Black Lagoon. He's basically, he's a cryptid. Yeah. It's essentially yeah. what he is. He's kind yeah. of the, 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 the Underwater of version the of Bigfoot. I was going to exactly. say, exactly. right. Exactly, yeah. right, right. When I think of the classic Universal monsters, I always think of something supernatural or mad science mm-hmm. of the universal monster. I love the yeah. creature and I think that, that well, the especially that first film yeah, is amazing. The creature's been lumped in with them obviously for marketing yeah, purposes. For marketing purposes. Exactly. But if you think about it again too, I mean Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, that whole thing right. with Transylvania and 
you know, sort of the European landscape. Right. And you don't, Sorry, you never really yeah. know what time period this is. Oh, yeah. Because over there, it seems very like, okay, it could be like the 1800s or something. Mm-hmm. But in The Wolfman, when Lon Chaney comes in uh, as Lawrence Talbot, mm-hmm. He's from quote modern times, right? You know, he's right. he's a guy from he's like the forties. Yeah, he's yeah. there to repair a telescope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So it's kind of like, where is this strange land? Yeah, you know? I love and, that about those. And films. yeah, so yeah. the creature being in the fifties, right, was in the fifties, and it was taking place at that time. It was modern for the time, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so he never mixed it up with them. He never would have been. In a swamp in Transylvania or whatever. <laughs> Although he's really old, I, maybe. Maybe. That's what I was thinking. Not yeah. that we know of. Not that <laughs> right. we've seen. Walker? But I, I, I was thinking the other day along the same lines here, because I was thinking the same thing as, as Lord Bloodraw, that the creature really is separate from the the original, more supernatural universal monsters. But if, if, if we want to play the what-if game, mm. if Universal had decided and gone full bore and established a new... Uh, a coterie of, of monsters you know I, I mean when you sort of had like the mole people but that didn't right. really take off yeah. but you know they could have gone the whole science route you could have had you know this whole new group of monsters maybe that were based off of radioactivity or whatever that would have taken the 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 next step and been you know you could have had the creature as the anchor just like maybe Frankenstein or whatever was the anchor or the big brute guy and then yeah. what would these other monsters these humanoid monsters have been because we had plenty of big bugs and other stuff but right. mm. what would the humanoid well they did they did all mix it up in Monster Squad <laughs> yeah that's true that is true but yeah. a, but again it was like yeah you get the fish out of water so to speak right right yeah. he doesn't belong because he's right not. fish out of water exactly so you'd, you'd have creature from the black lagoon some form of sasquatch sure. right or a skunk ape or you know whatever right you know well if you're going with radiation as the catalyst you could or, kind of send my the invisible man in there yeah you know, yeah, 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 right. yeah. yeah some kind of radiation or something yeah. 50, 50 foot, foot woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. A blob, Jer- uh, Jersey you know, Devil. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should do a thing on cryptozoology. Actually, yeah, we should. Actually. I, I, you know, amongst us, I have gone squatching. I don't know if anyone else has gone squatching. Really? Actually, spent the night in the Bigfoot Inn. Any luck? Nah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Had a Bigfoot steak at the Bigfoot Diner. That was <laughs> as close as you got. Yeah. You know, it's just Chewbacca, like <laughs> scouting out locations. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a distant cousin, right. Walker. Let me ask you. Uh, tell me something about the Wolfman. I'll tell you something about the Wolfman. Let's, Wolfman's ow. got nards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all know that. We know. Well, I think um, of all the monsters, I would say poor Larry Talbot. You yeah. know, he's the most sympathetic, right? I agree. Because mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he just uh, after he finds out that he's the Wolfman, he simply wants to die. It's, right? it's, yep. He's on some sort of horrible assisted suicide quest yeah. um and and uh it's it's lon cheney jr's uh best role you know mm. it's the one um that he would tell everybody was you know that's his baby and he was um really uh excited about and really the one he seemed to care the most about and and i think you have also in the the first wolf man um 
initially, as as far as I understand, there was also the idea in the initial script um, that it could have all been in his mind that Talbot might have been oh, thinking right. he was a wolf man, and we wouldn't that. necessarily uh, know if he he was or wasn't but then when they decided oh we're going to do the full makeup and everything then it was pretty much oh yeah he's a wolf man um, well, they kind of reprised I, that idea in abbott and costello uh you know because it's like abbott didn't quite believe that he was the wolf man oh yeah when he called and he's like well yeah. you stop barking at me sorry walker i didn't mean to <laughs> go off on the side go ahead and finish your thoughts sorry no, but I think I like that concept, and I think if you watch the movie, there's still some some uh, elements of that where you kind of question his sanity at certain times. Uh, that maybe you know maybe he isn't turning into something, but the fact that we see the transformations pretty much sells it. And I, I do really um, love the makeup. I love the transformations, the moodiness of it all, oh, yeah. and and you could argue that they have some of the best uh, supporting actors in that oh, uh, yeah. especially yeah. Maria Ospenskaya I just mm-hmm. love and adore oh, her yeah. Yeah. Um, and Lugosi so, in a small Bella part. I was going to say yes, was in there too very short mm-hmm. uh, doesn't get to say a whole lot but as uh, Maliva's uh, son of yeah. course bites uh, Larry and right. starts this whole thing actually I think uh, also wound up uh, he was the one who attacked Larry's brother which is what brings Larry back to Right. Uh, it's whales, but they never say whales mm. out loud. Mm. And uh, just kind of a, an odd uh, situation where we're supposed to believe that this big, burly Lon Chaney Jr. is actually an Englishman who's been <laughs> over in America for a while. Uh, and Claude Rains, little Claude Rains is his father. But, you know, it's okay. We'll go <laughs> with it. I, I have to say something. All these years, I never thought about that, Walker. <laughs> it just now made me think. Oh, the- Oh my God, that's true. She just ruined the film for you. <laughs> Once again, Walker. No, the thing kidding. that always amazed I, me about the Wolfman, especially his first transformation, is that he be, he turns from meek, mild Larry Talbot into a raging beast, and still has it in his mind that he changes his clothes and yeah. has the nice slacks and the shirt on yep. as he goes off into yep. the countryside. And that's right. Right, still neat in the scouts. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did want to ask you. I've got two questions I wanted everybody to uh, to throw out to everybody, and one of them I'm going to wind up because the conversation has gone this direction. I'm, I'll I'll reverse <laughs> reverse the order I had in mind. Um, the first thing, since we're on the Wolfman, of course, the Wolfman is the only one of the original monsters that was only played by one actor. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Junior only person to play the wolfman is there anybody put on your what if foil hats guys uh-huh. is there anybody else in that whole 1940s time era of universal films that you think could have played a good wolfman and then i'll ask my second question after you guys go around i would say wolfman yes talbot no mm. I don't think anyone else could have played Larry Talbot as well as Lon Chaney Jr. did. That's a good point. You can slap that Wolfman makeup on anybody and they can run around the countryside, but to garner the sympathy and the pathos that Lon Chaney Jr. did with his portrayal of Lawrence Talbot, I don't think he could do it. I don't even think like a Karloff could pull that off. It would be interesting to see Karloff try and pull that off. 
Well, Karloff was originally thought of for the Wolfman. Oh, really? That's yeah. right. At the very beginning, was originally huh. said no, he wasn't going to do it. Wow. You know, I'm going to say no. I, I can't. I mean, if you go outside of the Universal films, maybe like a Paul Muni or someone like that, or mm. um, maybe. No, I, I, li- I cannot picture anyone else playing either the Wolfman or Larry Talbot. Huh. Mm-hmm. Just because of the physicality yeah. of it. You need a big guy to be an imposing Wolfman, you know. Well, it's, uh, you know, for me, I just love, I love werewolf movies mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. general. And I really think that the other actor who pulled off being a werewolf well, or the best, mm-hmm was Michael Landon. Oh. And, I, and I was a teenage werewolf. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you think of it, oh, I was a teenage werewolf, cheap 50s AIP movie. But no, I mean, you look at that thing and you watch that movie. And his, because, you know, he's not, he's not sympathetic like a Lawrence Talbot, but he's a troubled teen yeah. going yeah. through, you know, all the problems of, you know, his mother's gone, dead, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's being just raised by a single parent father. And, you know, he's getting in fights in school, and he's got all these problems. They're sending him to a psychiatrist. Never go to Whit Bissell if you have to go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> but he goes to a psychiatrist. And, you know, this, it just I think his – and considering that was his first role, yeah. I, mean, I thought yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, give me Michael Landon and Lon Chaney Jr. Hormones and, and a curse sure. doesn't and, mix uh, well. Werewolf yeah. is, werewolves yeah. are full. Well, it's – I'm trying to remember now. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but uh-huh. it's not a curse, right? With uh, I was a oh, teenage the teenage teenage. No, it's scientifically this, induced by the psychiatrist rage. through yeah, this right. chemical he had and hypnosis. Yeah, and so yeah. he injected him with a with a chemical and hypnotized him and then brought him back to his primal yeah. state, which. We you would think it would be an ape, people, right? right? You know? Yeah, exactly. But no, it's a werewolf. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely not you know yeah. a curse or he was never bitten by a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And the people he bit or killed or whatever never became werewolves. still trying werewolf, to wrap so my head around Karloff as Talbot. What do you no. mean, curse? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Although I would buy him as, uh, well, uh, the age differences would probably be yeah. weird. I could yeah. buy him almost more as uh, uh, Claude Rains' son. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, and, and the English ocean. look. He looks like yeah. he's from Welsh. Yeah. What do you think, Larry? You I, I'm going gonna, gonna to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Peter Lorre just because I like the way he sounds. <laughs> but could he be sympathetic? He's not too physically imposing, though. N- no, no, yeah. He'd be I more just... like a rat man. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, a, a, a little furry Peter Lorre coming at you <laughs> on a moonlit night? That's scary. That's scary. That's yeah. Abbott and Costello meets the uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, little, the rat man. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, I, I was just going to add the, yeah. the amazing thing about the original Wolfman film. Mm-hmm. Is you watch that film and you think, oh, okay, this is from old Eastern European legend. Kurt Siodmak made all of that up. That's scary. really all of it. None of none yeah. of it comes mm-hmm. from original folklore. I mean, there were there were werewolves in folklore, uh-huh. but it was a thing where you had to become a were you had to want to become a werewolf, and there was a. The satanic ritual that you would go through, and you, so no wolf's bane, no moon, no, and by silver wolf, bullet, no. none of that, none of that. Kurt Siodmak invented all of it. Well, it's, ama- yeah, well, it's amazing that that America. carried through so many werewolf movies oh, that yeah. followed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, let me ask my second part of my question for you guys. Yes, that was a very good question, by the way. And and I would encourage listeners to put down your thoughts on our uh, Blogspot page. Uh, Who would you uh, envision of that classic uh, list of actors playing Talbot and or the Wolfman? Go ahead, Walker. So now it's sort of a, a reversal because we also just talked about uh, Bela Lugosi playing Frankenstein. We know there were four actors mm-hmm. who played the Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. Now, other than Boris Karloff, because I believe you all have good taste, <laughs> which which other actor is your favorite Frankenstein monster? Or if you really want to say somebody other than Karloff, go ahead. Be- before we get into that, I'd like to know what Karen's answer was to the Talbot Wolfman. Oh yes. Question. I I honestly I'm like uh, Bob. I think I could see a number of actors who could um, pull off the Wolfman. Uh huh. But I I just can't imagine anybody uh, doing Larry Talbot. Mm. He's just he's so you know so sad. He's mm-hmm. so tormented. Right. And I I tried to think of uh, different actors from that time period, and especially ones who had been in uh, in Universal films. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I, I just couldn't come up with anybody who could really do both. So I think I think that role, he just owns it, and yeah. that's all there is to it. All right. Lionel Atwill, maybe? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going back to our favorite Frankenstein monster? So, is it? so other, yeah, so, uh, so it which Bella? Frankenstein? Well, wasn't it, wasn't it Jack Pierce that... His favorite to make up was actually Glenn Strange. Yeah, I, I believe so. I don't. I, I know that he, he thought, collaborated he thought Glenn with Strange Karloff. had the perfect physical features in his face to be the monster, yeah. even mm-hmm. more so than a Karloff or anyone else. I'd heard that. I'd heard that. But, yeah. I mean, you got to say Karloff was the best. But oh, yeah. so yeah. aside from Karloff, then. yeah. Well. You know, you go, we can go back. Others. You can go back to Lon Chaney Jr. and Ghost of Frankenstein. He was quite good um, in that. I'm yeah. sticking with Peter Lorre. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think, uh, well, for mine, mine, mine's always Fred Gwynn. But, uh, ah, 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 no, of the I monsters. Mean, really, it's like, I think Lugosi, you can't really count Lugosi because his portrayal of the monster was compromised, yeah, as we talked yeah. about before. Yeah. So, what would his portrayal, would it, what would have it been like if he had dialogue? Or he wasn't supposed to be blind, and he was just acting like mm-hmm. the monster. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's rough because I mean, Glenn Strange. It's like, okay, is Glenn, was Glenn Strange portrayal was that a good portrayal, or was it just sort of a conglomeration of Frankenstein's up until then? Yeah, you know, mm. that he just carried it on, almost like uh, you know. A generic Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. I, I, I liked his portrayal. I mean, you know, he, I saw the original Frankenstein, but I loved and love Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That, to me, is just... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and maybe it's the guys that are kind of vibing off, off Frankie and, uh, yeah. and Drac and stuff, well, but... Uh, yeah. I think, for me, I go with Strange mm-hmm. after Karloff, just because of mostly the aesthetics just yeah. i think he looks the most 
like the way the monster should look because for me, I mean, Bela just looks dreadful to me. <laughs> yeah, and, no, face and, is and way the, too round. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the same kind of with uh, Cheney. I mean, he's just got this like too thick brawler too thick. kind of look. I want a more cadaverous monster. So that's just just my two cents. Well, what about what about appearance versus portrayal, though? Yeah, well, they're all pretty much brainless after a certain point. Uh, you know, they're getting hit by lightning so many times. And, you know, but even by Son of Frankenstein, you start to see the, the brain damage with Karloff. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Um, he starts to, to lose any personality after a while. Hmm. I guess he's still got a little in Ghost of Frankenstein. And then you, you get the brain transfer with Igor. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll still probably go with Strange. So is Igor Frankenstein through all the rest of the films? Igor, yeah, Igor is the yeah. monster after um, Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why he was supposed to speak in Lugosi's voice. That's why they cast Lugosi. Right. supposed to speak in Lugosi's voice and also be blind because science. Because the blood <laughs> types didn't match and they didn't feed the optical uh, nerves. Wow. Science. Okay. So... That's why I just thought it was because he speak. landed in a sulfur pit. But. Well, that didn't help. <laughs> but being, you know, talking about those holy grails of lost films, all of those scenes with Lugosi speaking as the monster were shot. Hmm. Where they are now, yeah. if there are any out there, who knows? I hold out hope that it might be found. But, oh, yeah. that would be cool. Yeah. I got to say, in Ghost of Frankenstein, Cheney was probably given the most to do of any other actor who played the monster because he expresses desires, he expresses wants. Um, There's the scene where he gets the little girl and wants her brain in his Mm. head instead of (laughs) Igor's brain. Mm. I've got got a couple of controversial theories about Igor and the monster, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... um, he does things for. We'll leave that for. <laughs> we'll yes. leave that for Planet Eight after dark. Yeah. There you go. Right, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to say Cheney because I think that um, mm-hmm. Ghost of Frankenstein was probably the last film in which the monster was an actual character and wasn't just a lumbering robot. Because all the other films, it seems like they're just trying to fix him. Mm-hmm. You know, the monster's yeah. sick, we need to get him up to full strength, and they get him up to full strength, he's there for five minutes, and then the movie ends, right? Yeah. So, yeah. true. I'm going to say Cheney. All right. Good answers. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Yes. Uh, we touched on Dracula, mummy, creature, right. Frankenstein. Yes. Wolfman, other classic Universal monster. We're gonna have to talk yeah. about the Invisible Man. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, probably that my enthusiastic. least my least favorite of all. Is it really? Yeah, oh. and I don't know why. I was never into the Invi- Invisible Man films. In fact, when all the DVD sets were coming out, I bought all except for the Invisible Man because I thought it was more. Or did you buy it and it's just invisible? Uh, oh. <laughs> No, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I always thought it was more of a gimmick than anything else. Well, it's definitely Maybe like the original, science fiction. Yeah. The original yeah. film, yes. But then all the sequels just oh, got yeah. real silly and 
whatever. So yeah. I mean, that could be said about some of the Frankenstein sequels oh, too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But yeah but and the mummy to the extreme. But no, I was just never into the Invisible Man character. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I love the original Invisible Man, and the Invisible Man returns with Vincent Price. That was his first uh, horror performance, really. Really? Was in, yeah. Was in oh. The Visible Man Returns was the first his huh. first touching on yeah. know, horror themes. Um, yeah. The Visible Man, really fun film. Amazing special effects. Oh, yeah. Um, only touched on some of the motifs of the original novel. Well, if you want to talk about that, Frankenstein didn't touch on much of the original <laughs> novel. But... Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. But then again, what, is he? Was he a monster? Right. Was he a monster? I, I don't know. He was he definitely was a, a lunatic. He was a lunatic. He was a lunatic. Yeah. Well, it's like creature from the Black Lagoon. It's not really a monster. It's just that yeah. you're taking this thing out of its habitat, and you yeah. know. Yeah, he was a he was an, uh, a mad drug addict, a mad invisible drug addict, is what he was. Yeah, when you when you boil him down, and then they you know screwed him up chemically. Yeah, right. Made him worse. I mean, it's like, yeah. Karen? Well, you know, I I like the first one. It's probably another one of those properties that when they tried to milk it, you've got diminishing returns. Um, The first one is great. There's a lot of, 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 you know, amazing for the time. The effects were amazing. Um, some classic scenes, you know, and then I was thinking about the effects too, um, right. in these films. And of course now, you know, you, you, people look at them and say, Oh, look at that. It's obviously a, you know, miniature castle or this, that, or the other. But as a kid, you know, you watch these movies and you're just like glued to the screen. And, uh, I, I, if I'm, if you guys don't mind me digressing a little bit here, not at all. um, I was, just thinking the other day because uh, I was rewatching some of these films, and uh, I, I remember when the uh, you know before when Universal milked us before for a box set that uh, what was it oh, the Blu-rays that came out or yeah. whichever set I, I, I forget I laser discs you know I bought so many sets but I hadn't yeah. seen uh, I hadn't seen Frankenstein meets the Wolfman in in years you know and I was really excited oh, I'm going to watch Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and I had all these memories of that, you know, the fight and all the other stuff in it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And I put it in and there's that in the beginning where, uh, you know, uh, Talbot turns into the wolf man and he's running around the town and he's sneaking behind these crates and he attacks this police officer. And in my mind, I still had my like eight-year-old memory of like, oh my God, he climbs to this huge pile of crates and he leaps down and he insults this police officer. (laughs) Well, in reality, he kind of hops on top of this one crate that's about (laughs) two feet high and then he kind of hops off and he jumps behind this guy. (laughs) And I'm watching this and I'm like, what the hell, did I miss something? I rewind (laughs) it, I go back, I'm like, oh, okay. And you... (laughs) You know, and then we get to the lab fight, and you know, it's sort of like, oh, they're kind of rolling on the floor. Okay, the water came, it's over, and yeah. and it wasn't like it was disappointing because I still enjoyed it and everything. But you realize, like now, you go and you watch some of these movies. It's just like we saw a movie the other night. And I won't say what it was. Maybe it was something really awful, like The Rock's latest film. Anyway. <laughs> um, but the CGI and stuff that they do, every 
human being is beyond superhuman and they're like jumping 500 feet and they're doing all these things and so we're like conditioned to see all these insane stunts and stuff you know and now we go i go back and watch one of these movies and it's sort of like oh the wolfman hopped two feet (laughs) you know that one in the lab fight the one shot that always got me and still to this day i'm impressed is when Wolfman is on top of that one piece of machinery, yeah. and Frankenstein grabs it and tips it, and you know he falls off. That was actually a great stunt, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When's the last time you saw the film, Bob? No, just kidding. <laughs> Very recently. I watch these all the time. No, but yeah, no, uh, that shot works. That shot works yeah. pretty well. Yeah. 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 Well, they, I mean, obviously they're all on wires or whatever, oh, but it's so. like. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's, it's still, it's very it's still cool magical, scene. but no, it's no, just kind yeah, of Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you go back and you see some of the stuff and you're like, you know, eh, it's, oh, but but for me, I'll, I'll always love them because they're in my heart and it's stuff oh, I yeah. grew up with, yeah. you know. Well, and I don't really want to see somebody go back and, like, do a Van Helsing again. That was oh, oh, all right. so Well, I mean. Or hopefully they don't go in and CGI and fix up, quote, unquote, yeah. scenes. And then it's like, oh, you know, okay, well, CGI uh, Karloff doing this or Cheney yeah. doing that. It's like, no, just... Well, I was always just so amazed that... I mean, everybody wants their Avengers. Everybody wants their mm-hmm. film franchise. And Universal did it. Yes. You know, 70, 80 years they ago. They did it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it just amazed me that they couldn't do it again. And they, they kicked it off with a really bad mummy oh. movie uh, with Tom yeah. Cruise and just shot themselves right in the foot. And they didn't realize, well, okay, it was a crummy movie. Let's get one of the other ones out there. But, I mean, the one Wolfman with uh, Del, Del Toro, Toro. Yeah, was good. that film. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a perfect There's one to your kick kickoff. off from. Yes. Yeah. But I not, agree. not this mummy thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. And, yeah, the, it just makes me think that nobody involved in Universal Studios today ever saw any of those movies. Right. Because they're saying, you know, the, the entire premise was, well, we're going to build a monster universe just like Marvel's universe. It's like, no, Marvel <laughs> built their universe years after Universal built their monster well, universe. And see, people have to give Kevin Feige, Feige yes. credit because he has orchestrated this yes. thing from the get-go. Right. And he has a love and a passion for the characters, for right. the genre, for the books, the right. source material, and there's a reverence. And look, a lot of fanboys have tried to do a lot of, and I'm thinking Jack Snyder off the top of my head, tried to do justice to some properties out there, mm-hmm. and they you know, had varying degrees of success. Yeah. And I think the same thing with, with the Universal Monsters. I still haven't seen that Dracula uh, film that came oh, out where I they did. tried to make him into a super yeah. hero or a hero kind of person. That's a yes. problem. They're trying to make all the monsters into superheroes. It's yeah, I, you know... Uh, I'm with Karen, though. Get, you, you, you've watched something like from your youth, and, and this happened to me with the Star Trek animated series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. comes on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, wow, this really stinks. I mean, the dialogue, <laughs> the stories are great, but yeah. it's just the it's, it's like watching those Marvel cartoons. It's the yeah, same. Beyond limited little, animation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love those Marvel cartoons, let me tell you. I, oh, I love them, too, but <laughs> they're a little hard to watch. It's, it's yeah. good as background noise, but. Yeah. Well, going back to what you said about uh, the original Universal films kind of being like a world out of time. You, know, right. you don't oh, yeah. know what time period you're in or what country you're in or whatever. That is exactly what Universal is missing. 
and trying mm-hmm. to launch. They they feel they've got to do it in the modern age, or mm-hmm. the kids aren't going to relate. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they they don't realize that the magic in that is it's some far off world and land where this stuff exists, and this and it can work happens. today. We were it talking about today. Incredibles too. They don't give you any reference to whether it's taking now, twenty years ago, twenty years from sure. now. Sure. It, it just it works, you know. There was an amazing series on Showtime uh, that I'm blanking on what it was called. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, oh Penny oh, Dreadful. Yeah. Yes, that was very good. that's how you do the Universal monsters. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And they did it right there. They laid it out for Universal. Here, here you go. This well, is what it should look like. You can't tell me with people going crazy over like Game of Thrones mm-hmm. that you couldn't have a monster universe with castles Easily. and you Easily. know yeah. countrysides and whatever. You know? We we need to bring Lord Bloodraw back for a uh, Penny Dreadful. Uh, oh, gladly. It, it lasted all of three seasons. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a graphic novel or a comic. Yes, book there is. That they tried to. Yes, and I haven't gotten that yet. But um, oh, I have to get that. Oh yeah. my! I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, start watching the episodes oh. now. So when we finally do the podcast, you can catch up. <laughs> it's done in the Victorian yes period. Mm-hmm. So there's no castles or or anything like that. Right. But my God, I mean, they just brought everyone in. They brought that. everyone in, and yeah. and it was very organic. And yes. and uh. Anyway, wonderful show, wonderful show. But that's how you do yeah. it. That's, that's, that's how, how you do it. I agree. I have a question for you guys. Yes, sir. Sorry. I know we're talking about the unit. Well, first of all, Frankenstein. I think we can all agree that the monster Frankenstein mm-hmm. has the best character arc of mm-hmm. any of the characters in the Universal True. monster films. You can True. follow him from creation through his apex in uh, Bride of Frankenstein Mm -hmm. where he's the most Mm -hmm. intelligent most functional to his slow descent into just a a shambling Igor yeah right exactly (laughs) into a shambling right you know Hulk Um, what is your favorite non-universal adaptation of Frankenstein Mm. either just a Frankenstein movie or of Mm. the original Frankenstein Mm. film Um, any go. You know, there was actually... Uh, <laughs> and Bob goes. Well, I mean, everybody's silent, so yeah. someone has to talk. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Might as well be me. Um, there was an amazing made-for-TV adaptation. Yes. And it was a, a two-parter, right? So it was pretty long, because I think the whole thing is like three hours or something, because I think it was like two... Okay, you're not, think, you're not talking about the one I'm thinking of, but go ahead. I was thinking of Frankenstein, The True Story. story. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure it was like on two nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was two... So where they had the body parts the boiling in a oh, yeah. tub yes. of water or right, something, right, and right. the carotene uh, played the monster, right? Polidale, yeah. Um, James Mason. Was it James Mason? It. Oh, you're James right, Mason you're right. Okay. But, I mean, that was, you know... Is to that, that point, that was the, mm-hmm. you know, I think it is. It is out, um, yeah. Um, and to that point, I think that was the truest adaptation of the As original novel. As he started novel. to decay and stuff. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he's not really a, a monster per se. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's, he was reanimated by dead parts, but then, you know, things start going wrong and he's, yeah. you know, yeah. decaying and things. But, uh, but I thought, you know, that always stuck out in my mind as, as, a, as a good adaptation walker hmm well since i'm the the comic book 
nut. Uh-huh. Um, Frankenstein Jr. <laughs> I was, well, no, she, I know where Buzz. she's going. <laughs> Come on, Buzz. Going. You think you know where I'm going. Ah. Um, there was a, a uh, graphic novel put out a, a couple of years ago by Dark Horse called Frankenstein Underground. Okay, yeah. Ooh. And it was by Mike Mignola, the guy who does uh, Hellboy, Hellboy, and an artist mm. called uh, Ben Stenbeck. And my memory is not this good. I had to actually do a quick lookup. I actually I did a review of this a couple of years ago on our old Bronze Age Babies blog, um, but it, it's it's a really cool story about uh, the Frankenstein monster having to go rescue some people in a basically you know if you um, have ever read any stuff about like uh, oh like underground civilizations uh, people living under the earth that kind of thing. He finds this civilization underground, and there's all these Cthulhu-type cultists. Ooh. and So it's not really an adaptation of the novel, but um, I just I was fascinated with it. It is just a beautiful work of comic art and a great story. So mm-hmm. um, it probably doesn't really answer your question, because when I think of, of uh, <laughs> movies and things, I, I, don't, I can't come up with anything to violent. match up to... Uh, to the universal one in my mind so that's, comic, that'll be my comic conscience. adaptations are perfectly viable yeah I, I thought she was going to go with the classic Marvel uh, Frankenstein well, nothing really beats oh. Mike Plug. if you can get Mike Plug art on a comic and especially no. a horror comic yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, thumbs up on that yeah yeah I because uh, I was thinking just uh, it, it, with with Karloff being as iconic, you know, when people think Frankenstein's monster, they think Karloff. Yeah. If I think of a comic book version, it's it's that Marvel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're a zombie, monster you know, the Marvel zombie. Oh, it's like yeah. boom, that's you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm going over my head. The Bride, uh, Sting was in it, and I, I can't think of the name of the actor. It was a Frankenstein? That was a good story, but not so good for the monster. Um, what was the one that? Um, Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> Which has one of my favorite movie lines ever, and, and this is a family podcast, so I can't say it. <laughs> Planet, uh, Planet Aid After Dark. I think yes. Robert De Niro did a good job. Uh, um, it was an interesting take. He's, he's playing the flute in the cave, and, and I can't remember who he's talking to, but he's wondering, am I the creation playing the flute or is it the brain that my creator gave me right. that's playing the flute? Or is it the left hand right. that it belonged to someone else or the right yeah. hand? How can I, I do this? Yeah, I, I will never know if it's me or them or us or what. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. But mm-hmm. by far, besides uh, Karloff, my favorite Frankenstein is always going to be Young Frankenstein. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just that. I I love that. Uh, wow. film. That is a really good one. That <laughs> exactly. Really good one. Wow. Oh, smoke. It's good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I can always bring up Frankenstein conquers the world. There well, I was you go. Say, yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. great War the Gargantuas connection, right? Right. right? right. Right. Yeah. That was a good question. So I got to say, my favorite. The reason mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I was, was going to say. Is there, was there anything to left? Blood rock. <laughs> Uh, back in the seventies, Dan Curtis, who did uh, Dark Shadows, Dark Shadows, 
did a series of late night movies. Mm-hmm. He did Dracula. He did uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and he did a version of Frankenstein huh. with an actor named Bo Svensson. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. As, oh yeah, okay, I remember as the one. monster. Yeah. And I recently saw it again. It's on Amazon Video on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay, okay. And I recently saw it again. I remember loving it uh, when I saw it, but I was a kid. It was years ago that I'd seen it. His portrayal of the monster is one of the most heartbreaking, touching. Uh, it it he's never frightening like the original Frankenstein, mm-hmm. like Carlos Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. He's never all of that all that frightening, but he is so touching. And his performance, I can only describe it as a dramatic Herman Munster. Hmm. Because hmm. not in the look or anything, and the look is nothing like Carlos Frankenstein or Herman Munster, but mm-hmm. he. Always has this childlike little like, kind of screwed up grin on his face, like like Herman does, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But instead of being that childlike, he's plotting things to do to his master, or he's just trying to communicate with someone and trying to reach out and trying to be loved by someone. It is fantastic. I I, I believe it's been released on DVD. I'm pretty sure. I know it's on Amazon. I'm going to check Dan that Curtis's out. But Dan Curtis's Frankenstein is really wonderful. Do, Jeff, do they have the Dracula and the other stuff on there too? Do you know or just the Frankenstein? I haven't found it there. I've got Dan Curtis's Dracula on DVD, okay. which is pretty good. Jack Palance makes a pretty good Dracula. Pretty oh. imposing mm-hmm. Dracula. Yeah, All right. Yeah. But um, no, that Frankenstein is really... I highly recommend I'll it. Check I really it out. enjoyed it. Yeah. And now, yeah, as a bonus, I mean, I, I love uh, Young Frankenstein, but yes. we were talking about Penny Dreadful. Yes. That portrayal of the monster, oh, I, I can't even like speak to yeah. to yeah. how fantastic and diverse and, and all the emotions of love, hate, disdain, right. uh, acceptance. Uh, that person did it justice. And you can't beat that entrance. Oh. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we Rory will do Kinnear. a penny. Okay. What's that, Walker? Rory, Rory Kinnear. Rory yes, Rory Kinnear. Kinnear. Yeah. Yeah. We, we will have to do a penny dreadful oh, wow. uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Maybe that'll that be our was, Christmas episode. Why <laughs> <laughs> right uh, Any last thoughts? Any last comments? Okay, this is the point in our podcast where we usually have our sensor sweep, but because we have our special guest with us today, Lord Blood Raw. We want to give you an opportunity to share with the audience, uh, web page, uh, Twitter, Facebook, upcoming shows. Um, you, you have a, a very strong presence on uh, this thing that they have on planet Earth called a television. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, and share with us and plug some of uh, how, how can we find you? Well, yeah, television's a, a primitive uh, form of entertainment at best. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I would invite everyone to check out Lord Blood Raw's Nerve Rack and Theater. Uh, it's my syndicated TV series in which I present the best, worst, and wildest horror and science fiction films ever made. Uh, you can uh, the best way to find it is to go to lordbloodraw.com, l o r d b l o o d r a h dot com. Go to the TV schedule and you can check out the various streaming options and uh, TV stations that you can that you can catch that on. Uh, yeah, check out the website and look around, and there are various other things on there too you might find interesting. As far as live shows go, it's very fortuitous. We're talking about uh, <laughs> Universal horror films. I, uh, as a matter of fact, this is my tenth year in a row 
of doing shows at the Chenard Winery in mm. Castro Valley, California. As a matter of fact, that's the very first place I ever presented a horror film. That's oh. the birthplace of Lord Bloodraw, so to speak. And um, this year, the 2018 season is the 10th season. And coming up September 1st, Saturday, September 1st, I am showing the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein. Fantastic. In a double feature. And uh, these are really great, unique events because it's outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doors open at 6 o'clock. The show isn't until like 8.30 or dark because it's outside. Pack a picnic. Bring it in. Uh, You can uh, taste and purchase award-winning wines. Enjoy your wine with your picnic. And then we launch into the show. So they're very unique and fun uh, fun shows to do. Great. Yeah. What if you never drink wine? Ah. <laughs> You'll start that <laughs> night. These are, good, these are good enough to make an exception for it. Yes, right. There are other options there. For you. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, let me um, ask as far as like conventions or anything coming up. Uh, well, we just uh, had our seventh uh, Creatures Con, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a roaring success. And uh, we'll be back next year. We're, um, we're thinking probably in the same venue. We're not quite sure. Okay. Plans are still being made for the 2019 uh, Creatures Con. But um, it's for those of you who don't know, it's a convention dedicated to classic and camp horror and science fiction films, horror hosts, and, horror hosts and monster kid culture. And um, over the years, because this is our, well, 2019 will be our uh, eighth year of doing Mm -hmm. it, we've developed quite a few uh, interesting um, features of the convention. It's a unique convention in that we we really emphasize the programming and the shows that happen on the stage. Right. Uh, This last year, as a matter of fact, in 2017, I was lucky enough to interview Caesar from the Planet of the Apes while we were in... uh, Celebrating the 50th anniversary of Planet of the Apes. Right. Um, but our ongoing features are Mega Chiller Theater, mm-hmm. in which we take a classic horror film and a whole host of horror hosts present it. So it's essentially a late night movie with a number of horror hosts instead of just one horror host presenting it. Right. And uh, we've also resurrected something that Bob Wilkins created called the Monster Movie Quiz. And that, that's, yeah. And we do that live on stage. It's uh, basically a, a panel game show. We have celebrities up on the stage, and we test their knowledge of classic horror and science fiction. And uh, at the end of the thing, they pick names out of a hat of audience members, and the audience members get the uh, get the prizes. It's a lot of fun. And, of course, John Stanley is back as the uh, expert, as, as Bob had him in the original. And uh, it's, it's very fun, and we're hoping to add more, more regular features as uh, Creatures Con progresses. Right, right. And I, I you know, I recommend you guys take a chance uh go out there uh see the shows follow lord blood raw um you know there's a whole bunch of good stuff going on uh throughout the year so um we appreciate all of you listening to us uh this has come to the conclusion of this podcast the transmission is brought to you by the fine folks over at no just kidding (laughs) we don't have any sponsors yet um, no, but seriously, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, share this with your friends. Share it with your family. Uh, if you want to find us out on the webs, the interwebs, you can go to planetatepodcast.blogspot.com. 
Um, you can be involved with this podcast. The conversation continues. Give us comments. Give us ideas. Give us, uh, you know, questions and, and so forth. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, Planet 8 Cast, or on Facebook at Facebook Planet 8 Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Be good to each other. Be safe. And until we see you again, this is Planet 8 signing off and transmission. <laughs>